Hello, I'm Eric Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about surviving the journey. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. This week's Torah portion is Bamidbar, which means in the desert. You'll find the Torah portion in Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 20. The half Torah portion, Hosea chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. And the Brit Hadashah, Romans chapter 9, verses 22 to 33. So actually not that long of a Torah portion this week. We're going to be talking about surviving the journey. As most of you know, I've been kind of going through a health journey. And I actually have my husband on here with me today, Benjamin, uh, because I'm not 100% with it because I had surgery on Friday. <laughs> and even though um, I haven't taken any uh, pain medication since, what, 3.30 in the morning on Saturday, mm-hmm. I'm still not entirely with it. I don't know if it's just pain, my body just in shock or something, but I'm still not 100% with it. And I think my my husband would, might agree with me on that one. I would agree, yes. <laughs> would you? I would. Why is that? Well, I mean, it's tough to say. You're not acting like... Loopy? Loopy, per se. Just kind of like slowed down maybe by 10%. Only 10%? And I'm being generous. Oh, uh, let's say I feel it's more like 60%, but okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm shuffling. It's, it's funny because I looked at my Fitbit yesterday. Which, you know, it's the day after I had my surgery because I do record this on a day ahead. So it's Sunday when I'm recording this. And at the end of the day, I got less than a thousand steps. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I really didn't move too much today. And when I did, it was very much shuffling. So um, I am moving. I'm just not moving very fast. Mm-hmm. I'm like a tortoise or a turtle. But um, today I kind of wanted to... Maybe discuss the journey a little bit, but also I know I've discussed this, or at least I've, I've brought it up in the past, talking about um, Footprints in the Sand, which is a poem. One of the only poems I actually really enjoy. I'm not really a poem person, probably because I don't know that I could ever write one, but um, I think that it is a really good representation of our walk with God and how sometimes we could feel like we're walking alone, but in those moments, it's really him carrying us. So I'm going to read you the poem real quick. So that way, those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about can have an idea. One night I dreamed a dream. I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. There was only one set of footprints. I realized that this was at the lowest and saddest times of my life. This always bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me when I decided to follow you, you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times of my life, there's only one set of footprints. I just don't understand why, when I need you most, you leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever. During your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. 
Did you have a thought there? Nope. Oh, okay. Now, you will not find this in the Bible, as my husband uh, pointed out to me before I even started recording. I did, and I think the reason is, not that I think a lot of people think it's in the Bible, but I do think it's important to draw these these lines when, you know, we have these, these things that have come up as either doctrines or uh, common sayings or common wisdom or even philosophy, like, for example, you know, the seven deadly sins, which you won't find a list of seven deadly sins in the Bible, or a lot of people will really gravitate to this particular poem because it is a great poem and it does convey a lot of meaning, but it is important always to remember that it's not scripture. It doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that it's not an accurate representation of our walk with God, but it also is, this is not something that is written down in the, in the book of second opinions, as it were. Yeah, and I, I do want to let you know that I actually found the poem on uh, crosswalk.com. And they actually talk about, you know, is it in the Bible? And it says there's no place in all of scripture where a single line from the poem poem is evident. So um, some parts of scripture are evoked here, but there are no biblical quotes, only biblical ideas. Um, and some of those, like the first one is Psalms 37 verse 23, where it says, for he blessed blessed ones sorry i can almost read right now from adonai's from adonai a man's steps are made firm when he delights in his way i really should have had you read this it's it's actually really funny because i was like i really thought i was good to go right <clears throat> and i start writing down my notes that i do before to do my tour portion you could see i scribbled a bunch because i could not right get your hand to work right yeah my my hand was not and i'm like i i had surgery on my ear like how is this affecting my writing and my speech patterns i don't know but they are and it's kind of irritating but god is good and i'll get i'll uh i'll just keep pushing through it i guess right. um psalm 119 verse 133 direct my footsteps in your word and let no iniquity get mastery over me mm -hmm. So you have a couple of different uh, examples of where they talk about footsteps. First Peter two twenty one, it says, "For you were called to this, because Messiah also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His footsteps." Another example of footsteps, and then the last one I have for you is Romans four, verse twelve, which says, "If I could find it." Also, he is a father of the circumcised to those not only circumcised, but also walking in the footsteps of the trust of our father Abraham before his circumcision. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought you'd find very interesting, which I also found on this <clears throat> crosswalk.com, um, is that the Hebrew word for step is a cob. I'd have to get my lexicon. Out. Yeah, say so it's A Q A B. A Q, so probably a coof, which is equivalent to our Q or uh, letter K. But it, it, it first step is a cob, meaning footprint, heel, trail, or rear guard. Okay. The Greek iknos translates into track, footstep, and impression. Mm -hmm. And many ideas overlap for the word footprint. Um, first John 2 6, we read, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Yeshua did, which is saying, do as he did, follow in his footsteps. And, you know, because of everything I've been going through, a lot of people, I'm sure, are thinking, you know, it's really probably been a struggle for me to walk um, in his footsteps, which, let's be honest, every single day for any person is hard to walk in his footsteps, mm -hmm. if not next to impossible in 
a lot of regard. Not completely, but. Can we pause for a second and yeah. ask the question, what does it mean to walk, walk in footsteps? I knew you were, were going to do that. Uh, I guess I'm getting predictable in my old age. Yeah. So what does it mean to walk in his footsteps? Why don't you break it down? Well, I mean, I'm asking the question. I know you I are. get to answer it, too. <laughs> I feel like it is. Just see what I have to deal with, folks. Right. You know, I'm supposed to you using the whole questioning uh, methodology to, to get her to, or to get people rather to uh, come to conclusions themselves and like learn lessons themselves. And instead she's like, she's just not having it. She's like, no, no, you, you tell me because I'm not playing your game. It's not that it's more like, <sighs> I don't know that I'm in the correct frame of mind to be able to answer <laughs> coherent questions right now. Fair enough. Well, I, when I think of it, I think of, uh, when it says, you know, your word is a light under my feet and a lamp for my path. And to follow in his footsteps means to do the things that Yeshua did. And where we don't have an example of that, to look to his word and do the things that God says to do in his word and not do the things that God says not to do in his word. See, this is why you should answer the question that you already asked, because you said it way better than I could have possibly ever articulated. I disagree. I think you would have done wonderful. My love. Thanks. I appreciate Thank it. The, the, uh, yes honey um and you know what i think that for me and a lot of other people who are dealing with health issues it can definitely be a struggle but i think that it's true of any struggle that somebody's going through whether it's addiction health issues marriage problems financial problems that's life you know we all are struggling with something mm -hmm. um if your life is perfect I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I feel like you might be living in some form of denial. Actually, I, I think I want to disagree with you a little bit. Good. Because I think that people that have so-called perfect lives or don't live with struggle, yeah. I think that's one of the big problems for this generation that we're dealing with right now is that yeah, that's true. they don't have struggles that they have to you know, fight against. And those things, the, those struggles that we fight against and we battle against, they uh, form us and they, they, cause us to take the shape that God you know, wants. They're the tools that God uses to shape us. And so for a generation that doesn't have those, they kind of have to you know, make them up. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot nowadays. Um, <clears throat> well, I know, especially in like America, which I agree, I, I'm sure I was watching it on Facebook or something, mm -hmm. but a guy talking about how like, you know, you don't see these kind of struggles that people in America are struggling with in a lot of other countries because right. They actually have serious problems that mm -hmm. they have to deal with. They don't have time to argue about like what gender they are right. or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, okay, fine. But let's take it even a, a step further. So do those people that have what you would call real struggles, are they more joyful and more happy than you know, your average American is? I would say, yeah. I would say yes. We find joy in the struggle. We find joy in the difficulty god cursed the ground for our sake right in the book of genesis because hard work and struggle and pain and strife and even sometimes loss are in some ways good for us i remember reading um something that said uh that people who they shelter their children and never bring them to a funeral never bring them to you know they never have any kind of an encounter with death and then the first time that they have some kind of a, a classmate or someone who, who's killed in high school or college they have no coping mechanism for it because they weren't exposed to it as a child. They, they didn't learn that growing up and it just destroys them and devastates them. 
Um, whereas people who maybe you know you go to your grandmother's funeral, or you go to your great grandfather's funeral, or you go to an extended family member's funeral, or like in your case, you go to a friend of yours funeral who died way too soon. It shows you at an early age that you know death is a part of life. Um, I think that that's true in some instances, but not always, because quite frankly, when my best friend died, it did devastate me, mm-hmm. and it took me. 10 plus now, years to get over it. Was he the first person that you knew that had died? No, he was not. Okay. I think, and you know, I'm sure my mother will call and let me know after she listens to this podcast. I'm almost positive. My great aunt died first. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the funeral? I did. We went to New Jersey. We went, stayed at, like, I remember it vividly. Um, so it wasn't like my first thing. I think the reason it was shocking with my best friend is because he was 11 years old Yeah, and it, came out, of nowhere, and it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like, you know, he had been struggling with something, some disease for a long period of time. It literally was instantaneous and mm-hmm. was out of the blue. Right. And I think it's hard, no matter what age you are to truly be able to process that until it happens to you. And then of course you have the choice to make, how am I going to process this? Mm-hmm. And then it also depends on who do you have surrounding you that's able to support you and be able to be there for you. Um, not that I didn't have that, mm-hmm. but I also feel like you know, probably my greatest supporter in life is my mother, mm-hmm. and my grandmother was as well. Um, but I think it was kind of understood, at least growing up as a Christian, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, he did die, but he's in heaven now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, you're right, but I'm left here without him. And I wasn't expecting to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like trying to process that, my parents tried really hard. They put me into counseling, Mm -hmm. which was terrible because it was a Christian counselor. They didn't have an actual degree. And I really didn't feel like they understood what I was going through at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would have been a little bit easier if I'd actually had maybe somebody who I would have looked up to who might have been a little bit older than me maybe like i don't know somebody who's like 18 19 20 who would have been able to like talk me through it um i didn't really have that if that makes any sense but i i think that that's important too because i i think it's no matter what journey you're going through i think it's important that you don't ever go through it alone yes yeshua is with us every Mm -hmm. single walk of the way however there are a lot of people who when like you know we got our cancer scare Mm -hmm. they isolate themselves and they don't tell anybody that they've got cancer and they don't let anybody know and i get that maybe it's because they're really private person that was how my grandfather was my grandfather had uh he had brain cancer and you know i remember going over my grandfather's house all the time remember my dad talking about him he used to say things like you know he could literally build anything from a house to a car to a boat he could build anything he wanted to build um and when he got cancer and got sick and got weak and frail, he didn't want us to see him like that. And so right. he isolated himself. Uh, and so when he died, we didn't get to see him. And then the next thing that was was the funeral. And then it was a, cl- a closed casket. And there's just not that level of closure there when you have something like that. Or being able to really have time to process it. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I believe, um, and some people may feel like it's not an appropriate thought process in this but you know like you always say you're only as sick as your secrets mm-hmm. when you bring things to light and you're open and transparent about it you're not only allowing yourself to have people come around you and beside you to help you but you're also allowing the people that you love best 
have time to process and have some form of healing mm -hmm. during it. And it helps them to grow as human beings as well. Instead of like, I'm not telling you about it. And then all of a sudden you find out because they died. And then it's like, well, hold on a second. Like what, what's going on here? But you can extrapolate that out to anything. You know, you've got someone who's struggling with addiction. And, yeah, I agree. You, know, you don't find out about it until, you know, they hit rock bottom essentially until something, you know, something breaks. Um, whereas if they had been able to be open and honest, they could have got help a lot sooner and it would have been a lot better for them. Like, again, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think that saying you're only sick as your secrets is so, so true and so valid. Yeah. The things that you hold tight and keep close to the vest and don't let anyone know, those are the things that are going to one affect you the most. And two, that you are not going to be able to get help for because no one knows that you need that help. Um, On the other hand, I do understand like, you know, if, if, you know, at this point, they think that they got all the cancer. We won't know 100% until Friday, but mm -hmm. they're pretty confident that, that they did. Right. Um, and they didn't even say it was a stage. So it's not like it's super serious at this point. Right. Um, but I can understand on, on the one hand for some people where it's like, you know, this is something that's really personal to me. I need to have time to process it. Mm -hmm. And we did that to a degree. We did. We did for about a week right. um, where we really were like, all right, let's pray about this. Let's process this. But then it's like. I don't feel like I should be keeping this to myself and then not telling like even the prayer warriors around mm -hmm. me to intercede on my behalf. It's like, Lord, like I know that you love me and I know that you have a plan for me. And I know mm -hmm. that this is the journey that you've put me on and I'm choosing to trust you no matter what the situation is. But I also want to be open and honest with the people that I love mm -hmm. so that they aren't in the dark and then are like, when did this happen? What's going on? When did this happen? And why didn't you tell us? About it? Yeah. Why you know, us with this? and why are they hurt because of the, yeah, that? Exactly. Um, and I'm not saying it's always the case, but I think that a part of it is, is a pride thing too. Oh, definitely. Um, not always, but mm -hmm. it, it definitely can be for a lot of people mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, maybe, you know, kind of like I think of you in the military where you wouldn't let your Marines see you eat mm -hmm. because you didn't want them to think you were a human like mm -hmm. they were. I don't know. So like, you know, because of that, you're like, I don't want them to know, like, I'm sick. It's almost that kind of same thought process where it's right. like, I don't want you, well, you know, to it's, think, it's, it's pity me. Where, when you're a guy and you're in a you know alpha male type position, you don't you're not trying you try not to show weakness is the thing. Yeah. Uh, because, but the thing the thing we screw up is we've confused not showing weakness with not showing vulnerability. You can be vulnerable with your people and not necessarily have to be weak with them. And not that it's not okay to be weak sometimes, but because you know, in our weakness, you know, he his strength shines forth. But uh. I think the other big thing to consider, take away from this, if you will, is that we all have struggles and we all have trials. We all have tribulations. And the thing that really matters is not what the struggle, what the trial, what the tribulation is. It's what you do with it and how you allow it to affect you and how you react to it. I saw a video the other day. It was really good. Um, I sent it to Zion uh, and it said that both heroes and villains in stories they have traumatic backgrounds. If you look at the, you know, the, the, the hero, he's bullied or you know, picked on or whatever, and he reacts a certain way. And then you look at the, the villain in a story, and he's also going to have a, a traumatic background of some kind or some kind of traumatic backstory. Right. And instead of saying, I'm going to use that, my pain to help others, he said, I'm going to, you know, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them back. Right. So it's not what happens to us. It's how we use what happens to us that really matters. I agree. I also get like, you know, people who do struggle with things like cancer, because cancer is such a scary word in this day and age. Mm -hmm. But 
um, where people are, they want people to pity them or to treat them differently because they don't want them to, they like, yes. Like if they don't want to share that they have something like cancer because they don't want people to look at them differently Mm -hmm. or not know how to converse or talk with them. Sure. Um, I did, I did want to kind of leave a shout out. It's honestly was a God thing. Um, I, as you know, do not like self-help books. Mm-hmm. I can't even get through them, unfortunately, because some of them I'm sure are very helpful. Now, before you say that, have you ever gotten through a nonfiction book? Is that um, you just don't like? Like biographies, non-fiction? yes. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I have gone through a couple of those. They're not my favorite, but I have gone through them if they're, you know. Right. Some people have led some very interesting lives. Well, I used to love when I was a kid growing up poor during the Marines, I, I would read probably two or three biographies a month. Right. And I think that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, that I could probably get through. Um, mm-hmm. but for me, I just can't. And I have a nook, which is a technological device, which has a lot of different books on there. I have, I think over 620 books waiting for me to read. Um, mm-hmm. I have a thing called book bub. You should kind of check it out. Um, you can, base it on your own preferences Mm -hmm. and they'll send you books that are under three dollars every day like a list of books and most of them are free if they're not free i don't buy them um so i've gotten a lot of books clearly this way but that being said you know i go through each i'm like okay this is the next book on the list this is the next book on the list and probably like the day of or the day after i was like you know i'm gonna read a new book i'm done with this book it was good let's move on to the next book and it was called Grace in Strange Disguise by Christine uh, Dillon. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's about, oh, uh, it's a faith-based book. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are. I'm not going to lie. But um, this one is a faith-based book. And it's about a girl and her struggle with finding out she has cancer. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't have been given to me at a better time. And I'm like, okay, out of the 600 and some odd books, this happens to be the one that happens to be next. Like, what are the odds? They're you know kind of astronomical that i would have actually picked it up but um for those of you who are having any kind of struggles it doesn't even have to be cancer i would actually encourage you to pick up this uh, it's actually a series of books it's six six books in a series it's called the uh, complete grace collection uh, by christine Dillon, and it's absolutely fantastic she talks about the bible in different ways um ways that i've never really thought of before and also kind of puts everything into perspective for you as well um, which was really helpful to me because it's it's scary when you have a doctor who just nonchalantly tells you you have cancer and, you know, you don't really have the answers to your questions. So, mm-hmm. um, so far, that's kind of my journey. I'm, I'm happy my husband is here with me because I'm also thankful I'm not doing this by myself because, you know, a lot of people don't handle their loved ones being sick uh, well, um, which is also something that the main character Esther talks about and has to deal with in her own life in the book. But, um, but yeah, I just think it's really important to surround yourselves with loved ones and people that care about you who are willing to lift you up during whatever struggles and trials that you're going through in life instead of tear you down. Because I think that is life-changing and life-altering and also remember that Yeshua is always with you and he's always walking with you and if he's not walking with you he's carrying you through those times yeah, i remember reading a uh, version of that poem that said hey god what's that uh deep groove in the ground and it says oh that's where i drug you kicking and screaming <laughs> i'm sure i have a few of those areas yeah. that's actually pretty good i like that <sighs> well hopefully I, ho- I hope you got something out of that this is just uh, my husband and i having a honest conversation 
about uh, my particular journey. And I hope that it blessed you in some way. As I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the Aaronic Benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Did you want to do it with me? Or you just yeah, gonna... I'll do it with you. Okay. I, I do sing it. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just checking. Ready? Yep. All right. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Hashem Yeshua Sashalom. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. May you all have a fantastic week, and hopefully you'll tune again. Tune in to next week. Shavua Tov. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com. Or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one-minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.